Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Well, welcome to the coronavirus. So if, if unless you're living under a rock, you're going to hear about this over and over and over. And there's enough jokes out there. But let's just go through because this is a real virus. Okay, it really is contagious. And um, some people are dying. But let's uh, look at it with intelligence. Uh, I, one of my favorite um, quotes is from Etienne de Harmon, M.D., to err is human, but to preserve an error is diabolic. A virus mania is what we're suffering from. It's a social disease of our developed society. To cure it will require conquering fear. And that's what this talk is about. We're going to conquer fear. So now when we look at this, what happened? Well, in central China, Wuhan, China, um, it started around the end of December where they started to notice an, an atypical pneumonia. I mean, you know, people are coming down with a respiratory disease. Now, that this is a novel coronavirus. Now, coronaviruses um, cause about 25% of all common colds. So this is a very, very common one. But remember, viruses are always adapting to their environment. Now, so if you have an adaptation or a mutation, then the human's immune system have not been exposed to it. And then they can be predisposed to more damage. So the novel coronavirus means that they've, they've actually developed a, a mutation. Now, if we look back in history, way back to 2002, they had SARS, which was also a coronavirus that was um, a, unusual or unique or novel. And that spread to 37 countries, 8,000 cases, and 800 deaths. Now, in 2012, you had the Middle East, or MERS, uh, respiratory syndrome, coronavirus. And this spread to 27 countries, causing almost 3,000 cases, or 2,500 cases, and 858 deaths. Now, both of those were zoonotic, um, and that means that it began in animals, and they have a low potential for sustained community transmission. Now, there's also large clusters of SARS and MERS that occurred in 2003-2014. Now, if you're curious, and I, we just not want to go over panic, let's go over facts, actual facts. Okay, when you look at Johns Hopkins' website, and this is um, G-I-S-A-N-D-D-A-T-A dot maps. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff after that. Uh, just go to Johns Hopkins and look for, and I'm going to have the link to it tonight, uh, where they have accounting. Now, uh, by Sunday, and I'm talking just a couple of days ago, uh, there were 14,000 confirmed cases and 305 deaths. And when you look at the cases that are con confirmed, back Sunday... Okay, out of 14,637, you're talking 14,458 were from mainland China. So it's mainly isolated there. So, and, and these numbers sound ex amazing because it's spreading so rapidly. Well, just take a deep breath. Okay, it has a 2% death rate. That means a 98% survival rate. 
And we're going to go into what is causing death in these people and what causes survival. Now, Monday, February 3rd, I went back onto the site and it went from 14,637 to 20,000 cases. Now, remember, not all of these have been confirmed. You know, they're, they're looking at viral particles to make sure. Uh, but j let's just assume that they are all confirmed. And with 426 deaths with 20,000 cases, you're still looking at around a 2% death rate, 98% survival rate. So now when we're looking at this, the reproductive number, like how much can something spread? Uh, well, again, this virus has, you know, been studied for a while, but it's only been, you know, in the public, uh, you know, the coronaviruses. Uh, but this novel one's just been identified since December. So when we start looking at how infectious it is, and that's called the reproductive number. Uh, like, let's say that, because right now, According to Lancet, the reproductive number is around 2.68, which means that, that if you get it, you're going to spread it to around 2.68 people. And those people are going to spread it to about 2.68 people. So you can imagine that this will – it's like compounding interest. The epidemic doubles about every 6.4 days. Now, what they estimated, even though – on, say, January 25th, uh, they had confirmed around eight, 9,000 cases. <clears throat> they were suspecting 75,000 individuals, okay, had it. And, ag again, because it is infecting. If you have 14,000, they're going to infect 2.68 people. So we can see that it's spreading rapidly. However, also according to The Lancet, that journal article, the more people who get it, the more people are protected. Yeah, that's right. It's called herd immunity. And they have um, a transmissibility reduction with no mobility. With um, and, and there's going to be a chart that I'm going to show you that this will increase in numbers. Uh, and it's going to increase to possibly uh, around 45 to 50,000 cases. Um, by around April, and then it's going to decline. Just like all viruses, when they go through the population, people get it, will survive, and they're going to have that immune system response. Um, and that immune system response will protect them from that virus and similar viruses. So since this is a novel one, uh, you can expect to be sick for between four to ten days. Uh, if your immune system strong. Now, according to the New York Times, they had a fatality rate like a logarithmic scale. And when you're looking at Ebola at the very top, okay, and then you've got uh, bird flu, MERS, or Mideast Respiratory Syndrome, you've got the Spanish flu panic of uh, 1918. Well, Wuhan is considerably less than that. And they're putting the fatality rate much lower than 3%. And according to the numbers we have now, it's around 2%. So it's um, a little bit more than the seasonal flu and quite a bit less than SARS or um, Spanish flu. And so we're looking at much less than Ebola, smallpox, MERS, bird flu. So it is, but, but what's going on with this? Well, what is um, What are the characteristics 
of people that have it. Well, the Lancet, and this is the title of the article, and I find it, found it really interesting. Epidemiologic and clinical characteristics of 99 cases of the 2019 novel coronavirus pneumonia in Wuhan, China, a descriptive study. And so what they did, um, or let me just read this quote. In December 2019, uh, pneumonia associated with the 2019 novel coronavirus emerged in Wuhan, China. Uh, we claim we aim to further clarify the epidemiologic and characteristics of this virus um, methods. In this retrospective single center study, we included all confirmed cases in the Wuhan Jintan Hospital from January 1st to January 20th. Cases were confirmed by real-time RT-PCR and were analyzed for epidemiologic, demographic, clinical, radiographic features, laboratory data, and outcomes were followed up um, January 25th, 2020. And it's interesting because the average patient um, was 55 years, and these are in the hospital. Uh, it included 67 men and 32 women. Uh, now, 51% of them had a chronic illness or disease. So just like in America, just like the standard flu, just like all of the, the coughs, colds, fevers, all the stuff that, that people go through, if you have a predisposed condition um, or, or a condition like a chronic illness or disease, it's going to predispose you to having a weakened immune system. Uh, 82% of the patients had fever, 81% had coughing, shortness of breath was in about a third of the patients, muscle aches, confusion was in about 9%. Now, you're going to get confusion if there's going to be blood sepsis or incredibly high fever. Um, headache had 8%, sore throat 5 um, runny nose 4 of them, uh, chest pain 2 of them, diarrhea had 2 nausea and vomiting one. So when we look at it, and this is, it could be a response for the body because when you're going through a cold, the processes that you go through when you have a viral infection or bacterial infection is going to be to have inflammation of the mucous membranes. You're going to have more production of mucus. Uh, if it gets into your lung, you're going to have coughing and sneezing. <coughs> And eventually you could develop diarrhea. So, so it's just pretty much the standard sequelae. Um, now, let's look at people that have actually died. Okay, now these are complications of patients uh, that already had complications or a weakened immune system. Um, on imaging, most of them had bilateral pneumonia, 75%. Um, 14% had modeling or ground glass opacity. That's, you see that with, um, with an x-ray. One had pneumothorax, and that's breaking a tissue, okay, inside the lungs, collapsing the lungs. Uh, 17 patients had acute respiratory, and 11 patients um, worsened in a short period of time and died of multiple organ failure. And again, all of this, all of this, and here's the interpretation from the Lancet, um, the 2019 novel coronavirus infection was a clustering onset and is more likely to affect older males with comorbidities and can result in severe or fatal respiratory diseases such as acute respiratory distress syndrome. So now we know that 
you can have a, a comorbidity or a chronic illness or disease, just like every other infection, it's going to weaken your immune system, particularly when you look at how some of the therapies are. Because if you have inflammation of the bronchus, in crazy world, we give a steroid, we'll give an antibiotic, all of which weakens your immune system and damages your 80% of your immune system, which is your gut flora. So let's look at what the people who had chronic diseases, what kind of chronic diseases do they have? Well, cardiovascular and cerebrovascular diseases. So, so we're looking at heart and brain stuff. So this means that these people have had some type of physical, chemical, or emotional stress damaging their brain, damaging their heart, um, clogging up the blood. So then endocrine diseases, very, very common, because what are you doing with an endocrine disease? You're taking in ab, um, hormones. And you're trying to second guess it. So this it could be adrenal gland fatigue, thyroid issues. You're looking at all the endocrine disruptive systems, digestive system disease. Now that makes sense because that's 80% of your immune system. Then we have respiratory diseases. So you're talking asthma, um, bronchitis, okay, all of those, malignant tumors, and even nervous system disease. Why? Because if you're in a stressed state, you're not going to be functioning well. Now, I went on the WHO's website, and again, just to find out um, what past epidemics have been like. Because if you're just looking at this one, you're going to think, man, the world has gone crazy. Well, they have on their site um, an archive of the year of, of challenges or, or epidemics around the world. Now, when you look in 2002, and someone was looking up the SARS, you don't see a lot of, of acute respiratory syndrome in 2002 when SARS started to emerge. What you're going to see there is West Nile virus, <clears throat> Canada, United States, yellow fever, and, and you know if you've got you know decent memory, then you can remember back 18 years. You'll remember West Nile virus and how popular it was. Okay, and, and how they're saying, oh, my God, look out for mosquitoes. When we look at 2003, according to the World Health um, site, that's when we start to see um, suspected severe acute respiratory syndrome. And you'll see this all over the place. And then they're looking for human influenza. Back then it was H3N2. And, and so you see that the... World Health Organization tracks these, and it's very, very interesting because I want you to get a perspective that this isn't um, the end of the world, even though that's what most people are, are saying. You just take a breath. I mean, it, back when we had the Ebola scare, I actually had a mom from Orange County. Now, we're talking um, – you, you ain't getting more white bread than this gal. Okay, from Orange County – um, a mother, uh, you know, young urban professional, healthy, dynamic, you know, following all the rules. And she asked me, uh, what can I do to protect my uh, family from Ebola? And I said, well, you know, if you're paddling down the Congo, make sure that you take vitamin D3, strengthen your immune system, build your gut flora. And she looked at me like I'd lost my mind because it's a weakened immune system and people do recover. Okay, it's not a guaranteed death threat. So you have to look at the immune system. Now, what is causing this? Okay, there are 
I mean, just theories across the board. Some people are saying that it's from bats and snakes that located at the Wuhan market. Other people are saying it's a vaccine that escaped or a mutated virus out of a weapons lab. Some people say it's bioweapons grade um, vaccine. Well, let's let's just look at this. If you look at biorxiv.org, okay, and they go through and literally compare. Um, and this one, title of one of the articles, Full Genome Evolutionary Analysis of the Novel Coronavirus Rejects the Hypothesis of Emergent Has a Recent Recombination Event. Um, they're saying that it, it doesn't seem likely that it occurred naturally. Now, all of this may change because we're only looking at about a month and a half of data. So all of this may change, but just, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Okay, we know that 98% of people that get it survive. They're sick for about 4 to <clears throat> to 14 days, and then they recover, 98%. So we have to look at what the causative factors is, what's actually damaging people's lungs, and it's secondary infections. Now, going on jameslionswheeler.com, and I totally recommend this. This guy is a brilliant scientist. Um, that's jameslionswheeler.com. Um, and he has a number of different options on there. And he goes through scientist guy, and he's looking at the data, the hard data, and what he thinks could be the problem and either um, says it's possible or false. Uh, number one uh, option, natural coronavirus related to bat coronaviruses, and it's not a recombined virus. He says that's a falsified hypothesis. So it's not coming from straight bats. Then um, a recumbent virus that naturally picked up or SARS-like spike protein uh, in the N-terminus uh, 3 end of the viral genome. So this is, when you're looking at the, at the genome of this coronavirus, they found a SARS-like protein, okay? And to see if maybe it was related to snakes or, or something that had happened naturally. And he thinks that that's unlikely. And again, we're only a month and a half into this, so these may change. It's just I'm giving you the data right now because um, we could run around with our chicken like a head cut off, like most doctors are. <clears throat> or we just break it down what's um, using facts and science instead of fear and intimidation. Now, option three, um, he thinks, well, here's, because you're going to hear everything. A recombined virus made in a laboratory for purposes of creating a bioweapon. Now, there's actually some good data to that. Uh, and a scientist, a Chinese scientist, was released from a BSL-4 laboratory in Manitoba, and this is really high-level lab, for violating protocols, allegedly sending samples of deadly viruses to mainland China. You know, is that possible? Well, I don't know. Let's see. Could it be from a SARS vaccine? Now, remember that you've got 25% of the common cold caused by a coronavirus. <clears throat> so if you have a coronavirus that's been in the news, like let's say SARS, 
people still remember this. And if you could create a vaccine for that, oh my gosh, you got a vaccine for one of the causative factors of the common cold. So you could see there's a tremendous amount of money that would be behind this. So you can see that how there could be a monetary driving force other than a bioweapons lab. Now, this was out of The Scientist, and I'll read the title of the article. Lab main coronavirus triggers debate. Uh, in 2015, now remember, the SARS epidemic was in 2002, 2003, and a little spike in 2004. This is 2015. Okay, in 2015, the U.S. called for an end to research creating new viruses in the lab that have increased threat, higher transmissibility, higher pathogenicity, and higher lethality. Uh, quote, uh, the very researchers conducting studies on SARS vaccines have cautioned repeatedly against human trials. An earlier concern for the application was the SARS-CoV uh, vaccine was the experience um, with other coronavirus infections, which enhanced, induced enhanced disease and immunopathology in animals when challenged with infectious virus. A concern reinforced by a report that animals given the aluminum-adjuvated SARS vaccine and subsequently challenged with SARS exhibited immunopathologic lung function, reaction reminiscent for respiratory succinctal virus in infants and animal models, given res um, re respiratory succinctal uh, vaccine and challenged naturally or artificially with that RSV virus. Or Now, think of this. So you're injecting a vaccine for SARS, and it makes you predisposed to lung damage and damage to other vaccines. So here we go. When you're looking at this, um, that's a big deal. So it could this have been a human experimentation? Eh, possibly. Okay, so I went onto the patent line, and sure enough, um, and I'll have the link to it today, SARS vaccine of adenovirus vector and preparation me method, application of a corona S gene. Uh, the, and this is a patent for a Chinese, um, well, uh, vaccine, okay, against SARS. Quote, the present uh, invention is a genetically aired vaccine uh, using gene-defective adenovirus vaccine vector, which per se is susceptible to respiratory mucosal epithelium, has an adenovirus vectors. The protective immunogen protein and the polypeptide expressed therein induced respiratory mucosal immune system response. Um, now, so what they're saying is that it has proteins in there that initiate some type of respiratory problem. So we know that SARS does have respiratory problems, okay, just like all common colds, you know, flus or, you know, coronaviruses in the past. So take a deep breath, okay, is the pathogen the coronavirus, okay, novel coronavirus that's out there in Wuhan, China, 
uh, going to affect everyone. No, it has to do on the terrain. Why are people that are the sickest have another comorbidity, that they have some other type of problem? Because when you go back to Pasteur and Beauchamp, that it's not the pathogen, it's the terrain, the terrain. I mean, if you look at scarlet fever, rheumatic fever, typhus, tuberculosis, I mean, all of these, these right here, they don't, um, they were eliminated without vaccines. Uh, and when you see these diseases literally go through the population. Think of this, a virus lacks the ability to replicate it on its own. <clears throat> now, according to the stats, the coronavirus, um, that the Wuhan one, the novel one, is can infect about 2.6 people. If you have 2.6 people close to you that are also susceptible, that have a weakened immune system. Because it's not, a virus is not a living organism. It's a well-organized molecular parasite, according to Fabio Romero of the Institute of Human Virology. 45% <clears throat> of your genetic information in your DNA is viral. That's right. So you can't just keep taking antivirals and expect that you're going to be safe. You have to look at the immune system. So we're going to have updates on this talk. We're going to go over um, what the latest stats are. But when you look at it, it will continue to increase. It's going to peak around April. Um, there should be around 75 to 80,000 people possibly infected with it. Will all of them get appropriate testing? Doubtful. Okay, but it's going to be shown in the news. And this may be um, used because uh, people in the marketing field use this to their advantage. I want to give the facts and data out there so you don't have an unrealized fear. So what can you do? <clears throat> Look at stress, and this is physical, chemical, or emotional stress. Avoid toxic foods. Um, and know at this time of the year in our hemisphere, there's low sunlight, uh, there's medication, weakened immune system. So what can you do? Get direct sunlight exposure and vitamin D production. If you have vitamin D production, you're doing amazing. But if you have a cold, 50,000 units of vitamin D3 a day for at least four or five days to a week. And then do at least 5,000 a day. That will help. Vitamin C, Vitality C with ribose, fantastic. Based on your body size, between five and 10,000 milligrams a day, just mix it with your water. If you drink too much, you're going to have a little bit of diarrhea. Sleep, rest, okay, and rest bundled up with towels. So if you can develop a fever at night, you're going to detox your system. Uh, never reduce a fever with acetaminophen or Tylenol or any other chemical fever reducer because this literally weakens your immune system. If you feel too hot, if you lose, lost your ability to sweat, then cool yourself off with a tepid sponge bath, room temperature bath. Some people will use vinegar or alcohol. I wouldn't do that only because it literally cools you off too fast and can induce shivering and have a rebound effect. <clears throat> and if you have trouble developing a fever, but you still have respiratory symptoms, get in a hot bath, develop a fever. And then 
replace your electrolytes. So, I mean, the worst thing you could take is acetaminophen, okay, or anything to chemically alter your immune system response. For every one degree increase in temperature, the speed of your immune system doubles. And this is why it's vital to to work with your fever. Now, fevers don't just go up and and stay there and then go down and you're done. They're going to rise and go go up and down, up and down, up and down based on your immune system response. So work with the fever. If you're shivering, put a blanket on, get warm. If you're sweating, take a blanket off, maybe a tepid sponge bath, cool yourself off. But know that movement is going to be vital. So if you have a rebounder, use the rebounder. Um, vitamin D3, vitamin C. Look at magnesium, transdermal magnesium supplements. Look at antimicrobials that you could eat like garlics, um, onion, ginger, soup. All of those fantastic are going to be amazing. Uh, if you're, and also, if you have a doctor that's prescribing antibiotics without doing a culture, without doing a sensitivity t- test, that man needs to be, that doctor needs to be fired because that is weakening your immune system. So, and the antibiotics will not help against viruses. Uh, some people will say, well, yes, it will uh, decrease your risk of having a, a secondary bacterial infection. Uh, if that's true, great. However, it also damages the gut flora, and that's 80% of your immune system. So in anything that weakens your immune system response to prevent another immune system response, that's pretty stupid. Uh, don't panic. We're going to have the facts up tonight. Uh, know that your body is designed to thrive on this planet, even if there's a, a genetically modified virus out there. You still have your immune system, and viruses still have to use your DNA to replicate. So get out there, do the vitamin C, vitamin D3, exercise, get good sleep, look at your physical, chemical, and emotional stress load, and you will thrive in this environment. And let's break down the panic because you don't need it. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you. I love you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.